0: Sunday evenings often preach when I do preach, which is now, uh, on parables. Because, uh, my last pastor pastorate, I preached through about 15 or 20 of Jesus' parables. And I preached most of them, uh, that I prepared. And, uh, one that I hadn't preached on here, and I did preach on at All Nations Church, was the parable of the sower. And if you would turn in your Bibles to Matthew, uh, 13, Matthew 13, 1-23 uh, is the text that I'm going to read tonight. Um, and if you were at All Nations when I preached it there, this is a different message than I preached there. So um, you might not recognize it. But I, I, told, uh, I told someone, a couple of you I think before the service tonight, I'm not going to exegete the 23 verses of 500 and some words of this text, but I am going to use it as a background because I want us to talk tonight about the question, what's what's wrong with the harvest? What's wrong with the harvest? And we'll look at that in just a minute uh, and I'll explain what that question means. Um, Let's see. Shall we stand for the reading of God's Word? Let's stand. We haven't stood for a while, so. Matthew 13, 1-23, hear the Word of the Lord. Because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand, and you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and did not hear it. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what, what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on, the, on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself and endures for a while. and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. We are blessed to be given access to Your truth from Your heart and even to walk with Jesus and to hear His words to us. We pray tonight that you might give us understanding, truly open our eyes that we may understand and and turn and be healed that is our need. And if our need is to bear fruit, that we would bear fruit for your glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. So what's wrong with the harvest? It would appear that Our world is careening what we could call a global cultural train wreck. Imagine or just think about the society that we live in today. As I look back over my life, we have had the space age, the sexual revolution. We've had technology boom, the information age, and what now? Social media age. Artificial intelligence, and I don't know what all. But one of the latest things that I hear about as I listen to media and try to keep up with some of the things that are going on is something called critical theory. Now, critical theory in, in, in my unlimited in, in and, uh, certainly, um, elementary in understanding of it Is the idea that your identity is defined by certain characteristics that are, you know, pretty much, uh, belong to you, but which pretty much you don't have any control over. For example, your gender, your race, your culture, uh, your experience, especially abuses which you have suffered, and a number of other things we could add. Uh, Sexual identity would be one. Only those who have common ground with you on one or more of those areas or categories, only those people can actually communicate with you and understand you. So uh, as an example, I happen to be a white middle class senior male. So therefore I am completely unable to connect with or communicate with a young working class woman of color. We could add other uh, definitions, but so the world is divided into the oppressors and the oppressed. The oppressed need to rise up and overthrow the oppressors that they uh, have in their lives. So how are we going to find solutions when we suspect each other and can't talk to one another? Just right off the bat. So this is one of the things that's going on. In the midst of all of this, we have the millennial generation, which uh, sadly, many come from broken homes. They've been raised on the internet. They are exiting the church in droves if they were ever in it. And we're told that the incidence of suicide among youth is accelerating. I can't give you exact numbers, but I heard, I've heard this uh, several times. They have no God. They have no purpose, and they have no sure ethical foundations other than what they imagine themselves. On the other end of the spectrum, we have the aging baby boomers. Raise your hand, okay? If you can. not right. <laughs> They are filling our hospitals and nursing homes increasingly. Do you know what the biggest health crisis in America is today? You'd never guess. According to Senator Ben Sass in his recent book, Them, Why We Hate Each Other and How to Heal, he says this, among epidemiologists, psychiatrists, public health officials, there is a growing consensus that the number one health crisis in America right now is not cancer, not obesity, and not heart disease. It's loneliness. Cigna Health Insurance Provider did a survey. They found that 54% of the respondents feel like no one actually knows them well. 56% said the people they spend time with are not necessarily with them. I assume because they're on their their smartphones. Uh, Their relationships are not meaningful and they feel isolated from others. Now this is impacting overall health in devastating ways. Let me ask you, as my brothers and sisters here at Grace Church, don't people know that they need the Lord? Don't they know that the gospel is the ultimate answer? So, we seem to be headed for a cultural train wreck. Is God at work in all of this? Absolutely. And God calls us to be part of what He is doing. Do you believe every Christian can help bring in the harvest? How can we help? Here in Jesus' parable, we find some answers. I'm going to talk to you tonight with this premise in mind that we can, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can help bring bring in the harvest as we apply three principles of Gospel faithfulness. Gospel faithfulness. Principle number one. Sow the word of the kingdom because the seed is good. So in the parable, of course, the, Jesus tells the story about the sower who goes out to sow. And, uh, we find that the, the, uh, the whole story there is talking about how the seed is thrown broadly It falls in different places and depending upon where it falls and what kind of ground it falls on, there is either no response or a temporary response or a possible response that gets shut down or there is a great response uh, to the seed itself. But one of the things that Jesus doesn't necessarily say, but we can draw from it, is that there was nothing wrong with the seed. The problem was not the seed. The problem was the ground upon which it fell so principle number 1 is sow the word of the kingdom because the seed is good i might point out here that jesus did exactly that in mark 1:15 or mark 1:14 and 15 it tells us this john starting out and in introducing jesus to us says that now after john that is john the baptist was arrested jesus came into galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. That was Jesus' introduction uh, and that was His introductory message which He gave and He continued to give. Further uh, or later on in the book of Matthew, Matthew 28, Jesus sent His disciples to do it. After His resurrection, He calls them together and He tells them, that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. So the seed is good. Trust the seed to work. And... It's important at this point that we think about what the o- other options are that are presented to us. Um, there are all kinds of gimmicks that Christians come up with and churches come up with that seem to skirt around the whole process of sowing the seed. It's anything to get people onto the campus. Uh, we once, uh, attended a big Christmas pro, uh, production at a very large megachurch in Houston, at which they had probably the greatest uh, collection of antique automobiles you could ever imagine in your life. And Santa in his sleigh, and reindeer, and, you know, you name it, it was, it was all there. And it's, it, it's almost as if, if we can just get people to come to our building and to our campus, which is a huge campus, uh if we can just get people to come here somehow by osmosis then they'll 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 have a good warm fuzzy feeling and and maybe they'll like us and then maybe they'll come back and then maybe they'll hear the gospel and then maybe they'll you know believe in Jesus uh this is i think off target i don't think this is what god is calling us to do it it may work it may be a gimmick uh another church uh Raffled off a brand new pickup truck. Uh, come to church Sunday morning, get your free raffle ticket and we'll, you know, after the closing hymn and the a- invitation, we will, you know, we'll, we'll draw your, we'll draw you the number and see who gets this, uh, this thing. These are the kind of things that American Christians love to do. They just love to do this. But this is not sowing the seed of the gospel that people desperately need to hear. Uh, so as you consider this, think about the fact that people need to hear the Gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the bad news that we're sinners, the bad news that we're lost without Him, but the good news that in by faith in Him alone we are forgiven of our sins. We are promised eternal life. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit with the inheritance of those who are His children Principle number one, sow the word of the kingdom because the seed is good. Number principle number two, pray for the harvest because the fruit depends on God's working. Pray for the harvest because the fruit depends on God's working. <clears throat> uh Charlie just read this passage in Ma Matthew nine, thirty-seven and thirty-eight, and I'll refer to it again. When Jesus uh tells the uh, and the context which uh which Charlie mentioned was that he was about to send his disciples out uh in ministry to 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 uh proclaim the word uh but before that just before that happens here in Ma- Matthew 9:37 it says then he said to his disciples now let's go back uh and uh and when Jesus went throughout all of the cities and villages I mean 9 to the Lord of the Harvest, to send out labourers into his harvest, he should jump to Chapter Ten, which in actuality is not separated by a number in the Greek, and He called to him his disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every affliction uh, and the, He goes down to verse five: these twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel so i'm i'm exhorting you in principle number 2 to pray for the harvest and pray for god to send laborers into the harvest and realize that you may be the answer to your own prayer just as the disciples were they prayed lord send laborers into the harvest And he sent them into the harvest. And they were going and they've been, they and their, and those who follow them have been going ever since. So Jesus said to them, pray, uh, pray for the Lord of the harvest to send laborers because the harvest is plenteous. Jesus in his prayer, uh, which he taught his disciples and which we'll look at another time, in more detail, in matthew six nine to thirteen in the, what we call the Lord's Prayer, he told us to pray, "Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven." That's a command that Christ gave to us. He said, "Pray that the kingdom will come, pray that my will will be done on earth as it is in heaven and then Paul, in ephesians six eighteen and nineteen Paul exhorts uh, his readers in uh, the church at Ephesus to put on the whole armor of God. Uh, And perhaps you've noticed uh, this reality is that while they put on all of these pieces of armor, the sword and the shield and the helmet and the breastplate and the belt and the shoes and all of that, which is worthy of another whole... uh, sermon, he says then you get all of this put on in verse um, 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And then what does he say? Praying at all times in the spirit uh, with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, this is Paul speaking, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the Gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. So, when Paul tells them to get suited up with all of their armor on, what do you do when you get suited up with your armor on? You go to battle. You fight, right? But in the case of the Christian, that battle is held in prayer. That battle occurs before the throne of God on our knees, before Him, together or alone, but always prayer. Always prayer. Pray. Pray for the harvest because the fruit depends on God's working. We can be the greatest uh, speakers or most convincing debaters, we can have the the best way of presenting the gospel. We can we can be just really super communicators, sales salesman types. But if God doesn't move in hearts, there will be no response. There will be the kind of soil where the the Satan steals the the seed, or the seed is is just just has this emotional in, immediate. A reaction response, and it as soon as as the sun comes out, it burns it up, or it may be choked out by thorns that all of those things in the world, the distractions and the desire for other things that come in, therefore, we should sow the seed because the the word is the seed is good, we sow the word of the kingdom because the seed is good, number two, we should pray for the harvest. Because the fruit depends on God's working, and thirdly, the third principle is, we should expect results, because the word never fails. Expect results, because the word never fails. I love what Isaiah says in Isaiah 55:10 and 11, where he describes uh, what happens or how the word is is. Uh, given to His people and what He does with it. He describes it this way, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall My word that be that goes out from My mouth. It shall not return to Me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. You see, God's Word never fails. We don't always see how it works. We don't always get to see the results. But as Paul said, I planted and Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. But there was increase. And somebody, you may have a part. You may sow that seed, you may water that seed, you may have a part somewhere along the line. But God's word never fails. Jesus said this uh that or said something to this effect that his word would either bring fruit where the ground is fertile or bring judgment where the seed is rejected. Uh notice Matthew 13:23. Where in this same uh, passage, Jesus said to them, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, in another thirty. You see how fruitful it is that it's, it's not fruitful where it's not Where the, where the seed doesn't take root, but wherever it should be fruitful, it is very fruitful. Well, what happens to the seed that falls in these other places? Does it have no effect? In the final, uh, in the final week of Jesus' earthly life, he has this encounter, uh, with the Pharisees in John chapter 12, verses 44 to 48. Uh, I'm gonna read this to you John 12:44 to 48. It says, "And Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not in me but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world but to save the world." The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on that last day. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment. What to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. So you see, the Word always either bears fruit or produces judgment. But it never goes, it never fails to do what it was sent to do. Actually, my question was, what is wrong with the harvest? And actually, there is nothing wrong with the harvest. God is working today to bring to Himself all of His elect people throughout the world in every tribe and tongue and nation. And we see some of that. We see it maybe from a distance we hear about it. In China, the church is thriving under persecution. In Muslim lands, we hear more conversions than ever before. In South America, they went through a transition from Roman Catholicism to Pentecostalism with signs and wonders in the prosperity gospel And now, to a growing movement toward more and more solid biblical teaching in places like Brazil and Colombia. So I ask you tonight, have you heard the Gospel of the Kingdom? How has the seed fared in your heart, in your life? Does this describe you when Jesus said you will indeed hear, but never understand? You will indeed see, but not never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. With their ears they can barely hear and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn and I would heal them. If that is you, if that describes you, if your heart is dull, if your eyes are closed, your ears are deaf, and you have no understanding of what this is all about or it just seems like mumbo-jumbo nonsense, then you should call upon the Lord, I exhort you, to call to Him for mercy that He would not allow you to go on with a dull heart, with deaf ears, with closed eyes, but that He would allow the Word to go deep in the soil of your heart and bear fruit for salvation. If you understand and turn, He will heal you. And if you are a believer who knows that you are called to make disciples, then commit to these three principles. Sow the Word. The seed is good. But refuse fads and gimmicks and shortcuts that don't work because it always accomplishes the purpose it was sent for. Pray. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. To send forth laborers, even if it's you. Pray that he would call people to himself. Pray that God's Spirit would take his word as it's preached, and as you live it out, and as you share it with your friends, and take it and turn it into fruitful uh, fruit in for his glory in their hearts and lives. Expect his word to work effectively, because We know that His Word never returns to Him in vain, but always accomplishes its purpose. You probably drive by the sign coming into Grace Church on a regular basis. Maybe you notice this this motto. Teaching the Word, reaching the world. That is our motto. Let us be faithful to know and teach the Word and pray that God may call to Himself a great host all over this valley and through the missionaries that we send and those who go from us, we will see a great harvest in the years ahead. What's wrong with the harvest? There is nothing wrong with the seed. God has His chosen elect and He is going to save them. The question is, will we participate? Will we go? Will we send? Will we pray? Will we stick with the Word? And will we expect Him to do mighty things? Let us pray. Father, thank You tonight for reminding us from Your Word that we are in a spiritual battle that we need to put on our armor. But when we do, we do not just sit back and wait or relax. We go to prayer. Let us be people of prayer. Let us be people who are committed to sowing the Word wherever You allow us to do that whether it's a one-to-one level or whether it's in groups or in what, whatever venue or scenario we're able to, help us to proclaim Your Word boldly and confidently and help us to be people, Lord, that You can use to sow the seed for a great harvest of righteousness. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.